everybody. Thank you so much for coming on. Welcome to the Schmooze uh, podcast of JGSI. We're here with Eric Gertler, uh, Executive Chairman of U.S. News and World Report. Eric, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today. Well, great. Thank you for having me on your show. It's just a pleasure. So thank you. <laughs> the honor is ours. Eric, uh, I actually used to read U.S. News and World Report growing up. That was like my magazine of choice. I'll tell right. you a bit more about that later. Um, but first, we'd like to hear about you. If you can give us your bio in a few minutes or less, like how you got to where you currently are, we'd love to hear it. Well, great. Well, thank you. Uh, great to hear that you used to read the uh, the magazine in print. We're all digital now. Uh, you know, I grew up in Montreal. And uh, because of the politics in Quebec at the time on the French and English um, uh, language issues, uh, my parents sent me away to college in the United States. And it was one of the most significant decisions uh, of my life. And I had nothing to do with it. Um, good parenting. Um, and I've had the privilege of uh, living in the United States ever since. I became a US citizen 22 years ago, a naturalized citizen. And um, you know, my career has taken uh, many zigzags. Um, I have, uh, I've been an attorney. I've been a media executive, I've been an entrepreneur, I've been a book author, I've been in public service. Uh, so I've, I've really been very lucky to, uh, to have been able to follow my passions. And, you know, I uh, sit here very proud of the work that we're able to do at US News and World Report. Um, and um, I really feel very lucky to have uh, had the experiences that I've had. Awesome. So if you can tell us your day-to-day, -day, what is your day-to-day -day like? What kind of challenges are you facing? Um, we'd love to hear it. So, uh, you know, one of the fun things is there is uh, no two days are alike. And, um, you know, there's days that are, you know, very busy and there's days that are less so. The days that are less so, I get to do, uh, you know, some of the writing that I like to do. There's a lot of speaking engagements, but really, um, I spend a lot of my time at U.S. News thinking about uh, where are we going, uh, how do we make sure that we're prioritized on the most important issues, uh, making sure that um, our culture is one where people want to work um, and thrive in, um, and making sure that we have a, you know, a lot of fun at the same time. Um, in the last few months, we've also had to deal with uh, our graduate uh, school rankings. Uh, so that is that has uh, taken up a lot of time, but um, the good thing is is that our rankings uh, for law school and medical school get released tomorrow, um, and then we're continuing to focus on other parts of our business. What has it, I know it seems like U.S. News World Report has like changed a lot. Like since I was a kid, I remember my uh, my mom asked me, "You can have one magazine to read," and I thought I wanted to be a politician. So my it was between Newsweek and. Um, and U.S. News, I chose U.S. News because of the politics, but you know, it seems like the rankings have become such a huge part of what you guys do. Yeah. Um, you're, it's exciting to hear about the law school, and we have a lot of law students who are going to be listening to this. And what influences your rating most in your mind? I know you've been challenged a lot in the last year or so. Um, so what, what, are you, what are you thinking when it comes to the rankings, and how is it going to be evolving over time? So just out of curiosity, where did you grow up? I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. Okay. Um, uh, an Italian neighborhood called Mill Basin, Brooklyn. First, actually, originally Canarsie, Brooklyn. Sure. Uh, that's, where I, that's where I grew up. Oh, 
great. So, uh, you know, the reason why I ask is that when U.S. News and World Report was in print as a magazine, um, it had a very large uh, Midwestern uh, base. And what had distinguished U.S. News from the other publications was that it was uh, a very uh, middle-of-the-road, centrist, you know, it was often called conservative with a small c, uh, very fact-based, objective. And that's really what we have uh, maintained. Uh, about 12 years ago, uh, the company went from being uh, printed digital to all digital. And over the last uh, 10 years, and I've been uh, executive chair um, and, then, uh, and then CEO for the last eight years or so, and we have really focused on how do we um, extend the company and the information that we provide to ensure that we are helping our consumers during, you know, we call it transition moments, but helping our consumers make important life decisions. So that may be uh, what is the best school for you? What is the best hospital for you? Um, and that's expanded to the best uh, travel location or the best credit cards or the best cars. Um, and as you point out, in the last six, seven months, uh, we've had to focus on our rankings. And you know what is important about that is that in today's world when um, it is, uh, you know, this, uh, the average student is just overwhelmed with uh, where they should go, uh, the costs are so high, the admissions process is opaque, we, as a company, have a mission, and our mission is in this regard to help students make the best decision for their education. And that's what we focus on. We focus on the student. We focus on how we can help that student make the best decision, be it in law school or medical school or MBA or, or engineering. And what we do is we provide a common set of data that students can compare uh, the different schools that they're considering. Uh, we don't, uh, by any stretch of the imagination, think that we are the only resource for the, for, for, for the student. We expect students to look at other resources, but we certainly know that um, we have high engagement with students and their parents. Uh, in any given year, we have 100 million users that come through just our education site alone. So uh, we really do have a massive audience, which also means at the same time, that we have a level of responsibility. And that is something that our editors take very, very seriously. What is the challenge right now that keeps you up at night? Like what is, what is first and foremost in your mind? So uh, I think, I think there, there, there are several challenges. The, um, you know, we live in a very polarizing world uh, right now. And uh, when you look at the media, um, you have, um, a lot of media that's on the left and, and, and on the right. And we are very focused on making sure that we provide a centrist view, that we're providing objective information, uh, information that is based on, on data. Uh, you know, I'll give you one example. A lot of media outlets have opinion sections. We have an opinion section, but it's really a pro-con. When we provide opinion, we give our, our audience both sides of the argument so that we're, you know, we're really thinking about it from an objective uh, standpoint. So, you know, that's made it hard, but I think that that's also been 
a reason for our success. And then I think also today it is, um, you know, technology is moving so quickly. Uh, consumers are, are, are fickle. Uh, they're used to, you know, snippets on social media. Uh, you're looking at the way uh, companies are being changed by technology, uh, AI, gener generative AI. So lots going on. Um, and um, that makes the media business uh, more difficult. It makes it more challenging. Um, and so I spent a lot of my time thinking about how are these various um, technology changes going to uh, influence and influence influence us. And then the last thing is, you know, we think about what are the other areas of transitional points in people's lives that we should be uh, providing content for, where we should be playing a role in consumers' lives. And one example is a few years ago we launched a new business in senior living, and we know that today. With an aging population, people, you know, people living longer, um, that senior living is a critical part of people's lives. And so that is also an area where we provide valuable information for consumers to help them figure out where best to live in, 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 in senior living homes. Eric, if you can talk a little bit about AI, I mean, what kind, what kind of role do you see AI playing uh, as you kind of put together the data for rankings of schools, hospitals, everything? How big is that? How, how big an influence is that going to have in the future in your mind? It's that is such that is such a great great question. It's also the great unknown. Um, unknown in terms of of the specifics. We're starting to explore it in, in early days. We have not yet, um, you know, implemented AI, and the reason being is that, you know, early tryouts of AI have led to sort of plagiarism. We don't we don't want that, but we do see that. Um, you know, the applications for us uh, in terms of all the data that we provide. And if you think about the rankings and you think about college rankings or hospital rankings or what we do on best states, we accumulate so much data. And we think that there's a real opportunity to mine that data in different ways and more powerful ways for our consumers. Um, so, so you, you know, we're, we're bullish on, on how AI will uh, be able to help us, but we're also cautious at the same time and want to make sure that we're very thoughtful of, of any application. Right now, as I said, we have not implemented it, uh, but we are thinking about, you know, how we might uh, in, in the coming months. You mentioned uh, you guys are apolitical, and I've always liked your uh, the politics of U.S. news. I, I felt like you tried your best to give a centrist point of view. I think I'm of the camp, as a lot of millennials, if I, I think I dislike Democrats and Republicans equally. <laughs> you know, there's no like no great hero politician out there as there used to be. How do you toe that line? It's it's a it's a tough line to to toe. It's a tough line to stay in the middle. The state centrist these days is is almost impossible. How do you guys do it? Yeah, look, it 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 is tough. And you've seen certainly in the cable business, you've seen um it become very polarized. You've seen that in uh in uh in newspapers. Uh, you know, let's let's remember. You go back in the in the early days of this country. Newspapers were viciously uh, polarizing on the left and and, and the right. Um, I th I think our brand stands for being centrist, for being trustworthy. Um, we help consumers in those sensitive, important uh, decisions that they make at important times in their lives, um, and so uh, we've just made it part of our mission. 
Um, you know, I think it helps us for the most part. I'm sure there's there's ways that it that that it hurts us, but um, but we like our positioning. We like where we stand politically. Uh, we um, we're a mission driven company, and that's part of our mission. To challenge you in the rankings for a second, I follow rankings pretty closely. Uh, you know, our work is with you know, Jewish grad students around the country, so we're mired in law and business students and. Sometimes a lot of the rankings are tied. There's like, you know, sometimes there'll be three number sevens. And, uh, you know, I, ha, how do you feel about that? Is there any way to change that? I don't know if the, do the schools like or dislike that they're tied with another school. Um, and is there any way to kind of pull you out of a, a, a tug of war between schools? So, uh, you know, there may be, there may be ties, but, the, but, but we let the data speak for you know, in a sense, speak for itself. Um, you know, if, if there's a tie that's led from, you know, the methodology, the data, then there's a tie. I mean, we're not going in to, to change that, that, that data. Most importantly is that we want to make sure that we're using a common set of data that allows students to be able to compare different institutions, uh, be it law schools or medical schools, engineering, MBA, whatever the case may be. And, um, and that's, that's the focus of, of what we do. Are we providing a useful uh, set of tools for um, our consumers, in this case, aspiring students um, as they pursue their, their graduate education? And that is most important. Eric, if you can delve into the, um, the senior stuff that you guys are doing, it is a hugely growing population. Um, how are you appealing to them? How are you growing this market? And uh, we already see the future of it going. So it, it it is a very large market, and what we what we have done is the same thing we do um, in any of our content areas. Uh, we provide a you know we do provide a ranking again based on objective data, um, and what separates us from you know some of our you know competitors and others that do rankings, uh, many of them do pay for play. That's not what we do. Our rankings are wholly dependent upon the data. We make sure that we're using a common set of data um, and to analyze uh, those senior living facilities. And if you think about it, I mean, what, um, you know, a, a difficult, important decision. You may want to put, you know, your, your ailing parent in a senior living facility. You may think about it for yourself saying, this is where, you know, you and your spouse want to grow old. It's really important that um, as consumers think about those decisions, that they have a partner that they can trust. We want to be that trustworthy partner, um, which, which is why we, we focus on making sure that the data that we provide and then the rankings are based on objective set of, of common, a common set of metrics. And I guess also with, within the hospital industry, you have a huge responsibility and you're trying to provide that same care to seniors and going to the hospital industry for a second, how much do hospitals vie for these rankings? Um, and what in your mind has been the most learning experience dealing with hospitals and learning more about them and their rankings? Yeah. So, you know, again, it's, it's, it's the same thing. Um, we do, uh, we do rank hospitals. We do rank specialty hospitals. We rank children's hospitals. Um, and, and again, I say that, you know, I say the same thing. You are going to this institution, to this hospital, 
for uh, potentially a surgery, uh, for um, an, a, you know, an appointment, uh, for your health. And so we want to make sure that you know, consumers that look at our rankings can trust what we have to provide. And, and again, we do it based on a common set of metrics. Um, we look at you know, all of the information. In this regard, again, you know, we're a data company. We're analyzing all that data. Um, you know, at the same time, we're a journalistic uh, entity. Uh, we believe in the journalism. Uh, so we are always talking to you know, the heads of, of hospitals. We're talking to those in the healthcare business. Same thing in education, same thing in, uh, in senior living. Um, it's important that we understand what is going on in that industry, what is going on in that market. And, uh, and you know, we are, we, we are a company that provides way more than rankings. We're providing a lot of accompanying stories. We're providing important journalism. Um, and so when you're making that decision, in this case, to, you know, what hospital is best for you for whatever the particular reason that you're going, um, you can look at the rankings, but there are also tons and tons of stories uh, that will help guide you uh, in making that decision. Eric, what has been the biggest challenge in your career or life? How did you deal with it? And what can we all today learn from that? You know, I think for me, you know, one of the challenges, and, and I feel very, very blessed, but, you know, I've done uh, so many different things in my career. I have, you know, I, I have been in the media business and I've been in, you know, a tech entrepreneur and I've been in government and I've been, uh, you know, a book, you know, book author. And so um, I, I think in, in each of those cases, what, what I've learned is, uh, you know, first of all, when you do something new, uh, never assume that you, you know all the answers. Spend some time understanding um, what you're doing. I often spend 90 days just talking to people when I've gone into my government positions. 90 days talking to people, understanding what's you know what's best, um, knowing that there's others who are more expert at it, learning from them, um, but then uh, putting together the priorities and focusing on what are the most important things that need to get done. Um, you know, not that I don't think there's any silver bullet on doing anything. It's rolling up your sleeves, it's learning, it's executing. Um, you know, that's that's what I've learned in my in my career. Eric, your book Prying Eyes came out in I think 2004. Yeah. Um, you know, now it's 23. What do you think you would have changed if you were writing it today? It's like a very different you know, privacy is so different. Yeah. You know, younger people probably may have opinion of their more open-minded, they get it their whole life on the internet. They're literally people literally filling, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're filling TikToks with every single thing that they eat and go to the bathroom. I mean, like it's, yeah. everything is out there. How would you have written the book differently if you're writing it today? So, uh, you know, it's, it, you know, it's so funny. I mean, I, I wrote that book almost 20 years ago and it was, um, it was ahead of its time in, in, in that sense. And, uh, you know, in looking at, you know, how our privacy was, was being affected by all of this technology. Uh, you know, the way privacy was defined in that sense was the, the, the data that defines who you are as an individual. Obviously, privacy means many different things uh, in many different contexts. Uh, you know, the privacy of, uh, of a confidential relationship, you know, the secrets you have, 
there's been a whole debate of privacy around uh, you know, the choice to, you know, to have, have an abortion. Um, but in terms of the internet age, it's the data that defines who you are. If you think about it, your identity gets stolen. Um, you get evaluated based on your data in terms of your credit, which then affects mortgages and credit cards and so on. You know, the interesting thing is, I don't think um, I would have changed much, except for the fact that, you know, today, uh, your data is being tracked even more, um, you know, intentionally, deliberately uh, than 20 years ago. Um, and, and also the ways in which your privacy is being invaded um, is just much more, much more complicated um, in terms of, you know, different tricks, in terms of being tracked. And then you also have the complications of, you know, all of the, you know, generative AI of people stealing your voice, of stealing your picture, of stealing. So it's way more complicated. You know, at the end of the day, um, you know, privacy is a two-edged sword. Um, you know, technology is a two-edged two -edged sword. It's very convenient to, for us to be able to enjoy all these tools, you know, the internet, um, all of these apps. On the flip side, you know, there are privacy dangers that, that go with that. And that's the, that, that's the reality of the world we live in. Uh, in that sense, that hasn't changed in, in 20 years, just uh, way more complicated today. Eric, just judging from your 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 history, your resume, um, you're an executor. You get things done, uh, which is sort of contradictory working for New York State. It seems like right, it's like the opposite of getting things done. What was that experience like for you, especially during such a trying time, like like during COVID? Um, love to hear about that experience. So, uh, well, thank you. You know, I, I've been in three administrations, uh, and certainly uh, overseeing Empire State Development during COVID was a huge privilege. I've enjoyed all my time in, in, in public service. Um, and again, I, it's, it's the same, uh, in a sense, strategy, personally, that I've done in other places. I spend time understanding what needs to get done, and then I focus on uh, the most important priorities. And, uh, you know, pre-COVID, uh, what was, uh, you know, a critical priority, and, and in that case, it was a priority of the governor was get Moynihan Station completed. And so that was a major focus. Um, and every day I thought about what we needed to do to ensure that Moynihan Station would, would get completed on time and, and on budget. Uh, you know, during COVID, um, that was, um, you know, a very difficult time. It was a difficult time for all the people that um, we're experiencing health issues uh, for people in the economy when we close down the economy. Um, and that required us to act quickly, act smartly, act decisively. Um, New York State is today, it's about a $2 trillion uh, GDP economy. And if it were a country, it would be anywhere from the you know, 11th, 12th, 13th largest country in the world from an economic standpoint. Uh, when you close down an economy like that, there is lots to do. When you open it back up, there's lots to do. So it required being, you know, being very focused. I am very execution oriented. Um, and still, um, it was, uh, I, I worked with an amazing team of individuals. We spent a lot of time communicating, strategizing, making sure we were focusing 
on on the right things. Um, it was a difficult time, um, but um, um, I think New York came out the the the, the better, uh, you know, for it. Uh, my heart still aches for all the people that were, um, uh, you know, health wise affected by COVID. Um, you know, lots of it. You know, lots of uh, inequities in terms of minority communities. Um, you know, I pray that we don't have to deal with a crisis like that again. You can talk a little bit about Moynihan Hall and what kind of a role that plays in your heart. You put your blood, sweat, and tears into that place. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on its uh, on on it in general? So um, I I think that a great city like New York deserves a great train hall like Moynihan Station, and I think we. Uh, you know, we as a uh, state government team, uh, from the government on down, from the governor on down, uh, and our team that worked uh, on Moynihan, I think we delivered a first-class uh, train hall worthy of, of, of New York City. And uh, I love walking through Moynihan train hall. Uh, you know, for me, I walk through it. I have a story for every um, part of Moynihan. I mean, a story behind the clock, a story behind the staircases, the signage, um, and it's uh, you know I'm very I'm very proud of 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 us, uh, and really it's us because it was a team uh, getting that you know getting that done. Uh, we had to work through COVID uh, to get it done, but um, but I think it also shows that when you have a strong public-private partnership, when you're focused on the right things, um, great things can get done. And, and I put Moynihan Train Hall in that league. What is the vision? What is the future of U.S. News? Like, where is it going? How is it going to be changed in the next 10 years? Like, where do you see it? So, you know, things are moving so quickly. One of the, the, the reasons, I think, behind the success of U.S. News is that for the last eight years, Every two years, we've ripped up our business plan and we've changed it. And we've been very, um, you know, very focused on where are things going and where should we be, um, you know, and, and, and what is the role that we should be, that we should be playing. Um, right now, we're very focused as a mission on helping consumers make the best decisions in, in their life. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of runway on that. Um, and what, what we're looking to do is in each of those areas, how do we become a more important resource for um, our consumers? I'll, I'll give you one example. Uh, this year, uh, we did the first acquisition, um, I believe in the history of, of, of US News, uh, where we acquired a company called College Advisor. And it fits in perfectly with what we do. We provide um, great um, educational content. We provide rankings. We provide a lot of uh, information. College Advisor is a service that helps students uh, and gives students the advice of, you know, where exactly they should go. And, and helping students through that process, they get teamed with an advisor. That is perfectly in line with, with what we're doing. And so as a company, uh, we've, we, we've worked to grow horizontally, but there's a case where we're working vertically too. 
to provide a more uh, enriching, uh, fulfilling experience for our consumers. That was awesome. Eric, last question for me before our quickfire round, which is what does being Jewish mean to you and yep. feel comfortable answering that in any way? Uh, but, uh, so that's the, <laughs> that's the question. The, yeah, so, what does being Jewish mean to you? How has that had an effect in your life? Um, so, uh, you know, I grew up in, in, in Montreal. Um, you know, the high school the, that I went to was uh, not a Jewish high school. In fact, um, in our graduating class of 90 students, there were nine Jewish kids. I did go to uh, an afternoon Hebrew school. Uh, and, you know, for me, I think it's a, a few different things. One is, uh, I really cherish the values of the Jewish religion, an emphasis on family, uh, an emphasis on education, uh, an emphasis on working hard, and an emphasis on, you know, ethically doing the right thing for people around you in the community. And that's, I think, has had uh, an important role for me. And I think that that's helped spur my desire to help the, the community and in going into government service. And then, um, and I've also, uh, you know, loved uh, going to Israel and being a supporter of the country. Um, the history of the Jewish people and what Israel has been able to uh, accomplish. I've, I've really been in awe of, you know, what that country has been able to do um, in its short history. Love it. Thank you so much, Eric. Quick fire questions, one word answers. You ready? Sure. Favorite movie of all time? Uh, <laughs> two, you know, uh, too many movies to, to, to say one uh, very quickly, so. Favorite book of all time? Oh, you know, you're catching me off guard on these. Um, I mean, I can tell you right now, I'm reading the Henry Kissinger book on leadership, which I think is an outstanding read. Favorite place to vacation? You know, uh, again, I'm not good on these one word, one word answers. Uh, you know, I love, I love being able to go uh, to any number of places in New York. I love being able to go to Paris, where I did some, uh, where I worked and lived and studied. And, uh, you know, I love to ski. So, you know, uh, ski mountains. I, you know, any most, chance I get to ski. Most frequented app on your phone. I'm sorry? Most frequented app on your phone. I would say, uh, you know, the, the app and, you know, I may bore, you know, your students, either the uh, the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal uh, for day-to-day -day news. Um, you know, I still look at, you know, look at Instagram. Um, and, uh, you know, I love playing some games, uh, you know, when I have time, you know, going places or between meetings. Uh, favorite Jewish holiday? Favorite Jewish holiday, I would have to say is, um, I like Hanukkah. Um, so I'll go with that. Favorite Jewish food? Favorite Jewish food? Uh, I will go with bagel, cream cheese, and lox. <laughs> Good choice. And last, last question. What is one word you associate with Jewish? The one word I associate with? Um, you know, I would say ethical. I love it. Eric, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Thanks, everybody, for joining. And uh, Eric, really, thank you so much again. Thank you so much.